Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at Mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that thinks that Wilford Brimley without a mustache is stranger than any alien life form, it's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later on your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks. <laughs> patrons get those perks. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and it's the man who taught the Incas everything they know. It's Andrew Ormsby. And each each week, we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Wow. And I really... I really wanted to make a remark about Wilford Brimley and not having a mustache, but I already have my voice changer on, so I'm like, oh, man. I was just going to say something like diabetes, but my voice, so it would have come out all singy. Yeah, no, that's a fun one. That's that's like the, uh, what what is that called, auto-tune? That's like the yeah. auto-tune, man. That's, that's I, call, nice. I call it the T-Pain. That's right. That's right. Bring yeah. the T-Pain. Bring the pain. Um, man, I am excited for our show today. Going to be a good one. We're talking about uh, yeah. Sift Shame movies uh, that uh, I think the theme could be first contact Sift Shame movies, movies where mm-hmm. you know we make contact with alien life uh, in one way or another. Uh, before we get into all that, man, how you doing? How you holding up? Oh, I'm good. You know, yeah. one day at a time. I'm still. I'm. I'm one of the fortunate enough to be an essential worker, so I'm still going to work every day. So not much has changed for me. Yeah. But uh, uh, besides, you know, like having to plan when I go to the store, stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah it's, so it's, it's very, very minor changes for me. So I don't even want to imagine those who are fully quarantined. Yeah, I feel the uh, same way. Um, not because my work is in, a, you know essential because the work I do is not essential, (laughs) but the work I do can be done from home very easily. In fact, that's how I've always done it. So, uh, so that kind of, my life hasn't changed either. So I I have those same feelings of you of like, you know, uh, I feel very blessed, right? Like, I just feel like, okay, this hasn't hit me like it has hit some people. And because of that, I'm trying to do my best to help the people in my own, you know, life that I know it has hit, you know, and kind of be there with them and, and have, you know, kind of an impact that way, because I know for my family, it really hasn't changed that much other than we're at home a lot more together, which is kind of a bonus in some ways. I like the fact that I get to spend, you know, more time with my wife and more time with my kids. So um, it's it's interesting uh, because I would never, ever, ever say I'm thankful for this because of how many people it's hurting. Uh, And indeed, people are dying. But I do think it's fortunate. I think fortunate is the right word to use. I feel, you know, fortunate that um, my family's in the position it is, uh, and that's just the the way it has worked. And I feel guilty, right? It's kind of like, and this is probably too strong of a term because it's not exactly this, although I guess maybe partially, but it's that survivor's guilt thing where it's like, why not me? Why am I 
not the one who has been hit by this, you know? Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a real thing, a real psychological thing, but at the same time, you know, my, my, uh, my empathy is with those who have been hit by it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't felt that yet. Maybe it's because, uh, my job involves sanitation. So, you know, it's really like, a. Uh, what am I trying to say? I'm very focused, like super focused and vigilant sure. on what I'm doing now. Yeah. Like, oh, I got to make sure yeah. I take the proper precautions. I do all this right and that right. So that's where my mind is most yeah. of the time right now. Well, on the show again today, we're going to be going through the SIFT shame. And last week, uh, we asked you to, to let us know what kind of movies you're catching up on on your list of shame. And a lot of people got back with us, Andrew. So I wanted to nice. kind of go through some of those. Uh, Jacob tweeted at me, uh, deemed me on Twitter, uh, says, My self-isolation list of shame is still long, but a few entries I've knocked off recently are There Will Be Blood. Good choice. Ugh. Uh, the greatest o- performance by an actor of all time. Uh, Oakja. Oakja! Oakja! Uh, Sling Blade, The Hateful mm-hmm. Eight, and Philadelphia. So, uh, congratulations, Ooh, Jacob, for knocking really those good, off. That's a really good list to knock off. Those yeah. are some good movies. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. Uh, I think uh, we'll go to this one next. Uh, this is from John. He says, I saw Mean Girls for the first time last week. <laughs> uh, yeah, very good. I see why people quote it all the time. Uh, Katie's arc has a bit of Walter White feel to it. It's also weird seeing Amanda Seyfried in this. Um, oh, yeah. So also someone should make a meme where Regina says, I can't go to Taco Bell. I'm social distancing. You're so stupid. Um, yeah, John, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, this comes from Aaron. Uh, said, thought it would be a good idea to send in my list of shame. Uh, in this, I've included both movies I've never seen, uh, movies that I have seen but at the wrong age. That's an interesting thing, such as Apocalypse Ooh. Now uh, as a freshman in high school. And movies that I have seen just not since I was a child and have absolutely no memories of them. Now, Aaron has a giant list here that he has sent. Um, and he wants us to m- put a couple of them at the top of his list. All right. I okay, love this. Yeah. And if anybody wants to do this, uh, I think we are we are on board for helping you move movies to the top of your list to see during this time. Does that sound fair? Yeah. We can be like, I, look, I like this a lot. So th- this is a long list. So I'm just going to read through them without commentary. And then okay. I'd like your uh, I'd like you to pick uh, pick a couple and I'll pick a couple. How's that sound? Okay. Cool, cool. So here's Aaron's list. Um, I was going to say it looks like it's in alphabetical order, but it is not. Uh, it just looks like it is for some reason. All right, here we go. Uh, Apocalypse Now, Assassination of Jesse Jane by the Coward Robert Ford, Awakenings, Beauty and the Beast Original, Big Fish, Butch Cassidy, Cassidy? Mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Casablanca, Chef, Citizen Kane, The Conversation, Florida Project, High Fidelity, Hunt for the Wilder People, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, King Kong, I'm going to assume that's the original, The Master, Misery, Newsies, Once Upon a Time in America, Pan's Labyrinth, Rebel Without a Cause, Seven Samurai, The Silent Partner, Snowpiercer, The Sting, Dr. Strangelove, Swing Kids, Swingers, Take Shelter, Tangled, Train Spotting, uh, Atlantis, Rocky and Creed franchise. Does that mean he hasn't seen any of the Rocky movies? I'm going to assume that's Ooh. what that means. Okay. Uh, Mary Poppins, both. Box Trolls, Kubo and the Two Strings, Coraline, both Paddingtons, Out of Sight, Invisible Man, and A League of Their Own. That's quite a list. That uh, is quite a list. Aaron. I wrote down a bunch. Uh, you want me to narrow it down to four? or See three? if you can narrow it down to three. Okay. So... And I'll go ahead and we'll go back and forth uh, and each give three. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with uh, Citizen Kane because really, if you are a film lover, you kind of have to check that one off. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. You just nah, have to at least see it. Yeah, it's it's really at the top of the list. And that's not saying there's not a reason. It really is in, insane how ahead of its time that movie was. Um, but there is a lot of context you need 
for watching that. So you might, uh, the Roger Ebert commentary on that is fabulous context. So you may want to give yourself yeah. time to watch the movie and then also watch it with the Ebert uh, commentary. You kind of um, have to know like the backstory about the Hearst family and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, no surprise from me. I'm going to pick the Rocky franchise. If if any, you at least have to watch the first Rocky movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I would say even probably the first three or f- four Rocky movies you s- should see. But definitely the first. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, for the next one, hmm, I think I'm going to go with OG Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I'll mark that one off my list. Um, I just think if you're going to know anything about like the current uh, culture of animation or Disney or any of that, like that's just it's kind of the foundation of those movies. Um, I believe it was nominated for Best Picture, even which was kind of unheard of for an animated film. Then, uh, yeah, that's it's just a really great one to kind of check off your list. So I put Beauty and the Beast up there. Good call. Uh, a movie that I think is highly underrated that a lot of people need to see. I'm going to go with Big Fish. Yeah. It is one of the very few Tim Burton movies I love. It's a top 100 movie for me. Mm-hmm. For sure. Ewan McGregor is amazing. And I think it's one of the few movies where Tim Burton styled that like a hyper-colored and, you know, acting and stuff. It makes sense, given what the story is about. Yeah. So. Yep. All, All right. right. Uh, I've done a an old classic, a new classic, and now we're going to do an Aaron classic. Uh, you're not getting out of this without me recommending Swing Kids. Uh, you got to see Swing Kids. Uh, <laughs> throw that up to the top of the list just for me because I want more people to see it. Uh, Good so call. I'll, I'll throw that up there. What about you? All right. I'm going to let you decide uh, the the theme that I'm going with. So, uh, uh, best foreign language film, great, f- uh, book adaptation or great indie film. Mm, let's go with the book adaptation. I'm going to go with misery. There you go. Cause that movie, if you like Stephen King, that movie will f- creep you out. It's, it's messed up. The whole, uh, Everybody knows the the scene. I guess I'll just say the the scene. Uh, yeah, that uh, it makes you f- uh, cringe and freak out every single time you see it or even think about it. But uh, oh man, hobbling. Ugh. I like it, uh, and I like it also because that's a very Andrew pick. We both kind of had picks with our name on them, you know, for yeah. for the last one. Uh, so there you go, Aaron. There are six to throw to the top of the list. If you want to report back with us what you think, we'd love to know uh, kind of what you're doing there. I have one more I wanted to mention. I saved it for last for uh, a reason, which you will find out very shortly. This is from Liam. He says, I just watched the first movie on my list of shame lift. I went with a rather recent-ish movie. I went with... The Good Dinosaur. Why did, ah! I- <laughs> uh, why did I not watch this movie when it came out? Well, to be honest, I just missed it. Never realized it was in cinemas, and even though I saw a trailer and really wanted to go, I just didn't. After that, now here's the first chance I have to watch it. For me, the movie was clearly in the liked it category. Uh, I went in with no expectations, but did have a bias knowing this film has typically split audiences. You think? You think? Uh, (laughs) Okay, to be clear, uh, whether we liked it or not is not what uh, split you and I. That is correct. It's what the theme of the movie was. Correct, correct. (laughs) And he continues by saying, I think Aaron was completely right on the theme of the movie. No, I'm just kidding. I I don't believe he said that. (laughs) I think that's a lie. Uh, He did say uh, he felt it started slow, but but really bought the connection that Arlo and Spot had by the end. I uh, was quite enthralled in the middle of the movie when some of the action scenes happened and audibly gasped a few times. He says, I now plan on going back to find the podcast of this movie discussion so that I can hear the opinions that you had when you first watched the film. <laughs> well, you are in, in for, for a, a treat, Liam. Uh, yeah, he's in for a ride. That was a good one. That was that was basically Andrew and I uh, doing our own version of the Rocky movies with uh, Danae playing Man. referee uh, for Man, that one. I cannot believe... Out of all the movies that you and I have 
yeah, I, I just think about the the library that encompasses every single movie that you and I have, you know, uh, reviewed, and that the good dinosaur right? was the most heated you and I have <laughs> ever got. It was a good times. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, so there you go. Thank you for your feedback as you're going through some stuff on your list of shame. If you want to let us know uh, kind of what you've do- been doing movie-watching-wise with your time at home, we would love to hear it again. That's feedback at sifpop.com. DM me on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Dicer. Uh, whatever works is fine, and uh, and we continue kind of looking at that stuff. And if, like Aaron, you want us to uh, move some up to the top of your list, let us know, and we will, we will be uh, more than willing to do that for you. So that could uh, replace our do we cares for there a you while. Go. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Just let yeah, us that's know. That's a lot of fun. Very good. Appreciate all the feedback, and we appreciate you continuing to listen to the podcast. Uh, we are going to have a lot of fun. Of course, we're going to do some buried treasure at the end, and then we're going to go into list of shame movies about first contact with alien life. Um, I think I'm Andrew. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right, let's kick it off with the thing. Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. In remote Antarctica, a group of American research scientists are disturbed at their base camp by a helicopter shooting at a sled dog. When they take in the dog, it brutally attacks both human beings and canines in the camp, and they discover that the beast can assume the shape of its victims. A resourceful helicopter pilot, Kurt Russell, and the camp doctor lead the camp crew in a desperate, gory battle against the vicious creature before it picks them all off one by one. Uh, I should mention, of course, we do spoilers on these. They are older movies, and we assume if you haven't seen them by now, and that you, if you want to, that you can do that and then come back and listen. Um, but we are definitely going to talk about spoiler pot points all throughout uh, these conversations. Uh, we like to kick it off on our list of shame with the person who did not see the movie, and that was me. I'm just coming to this, uh, and... Um, I will try to answer for myself. Uh, Aaron, did you like it, love it, hate it, or think it was just okay? Uh, I really like this movie. Um, yeah. Like, really like it. Very close to loved it. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the details and the reasons maybe why I didn't inch into loved it um, and why I liked it. Uh, but first, I will explain myself. The reason I never got around to seeing this movie is because I hate gore. That is the main reason, and I knew, you know, John Carpenter is kind of famous for body horror and some little bit gory stuff, and I was just not interested uh, in checking this out. Um, it was not on my radar the slightest when I was a kid, because I wasn't allowed to watch this stuff, and even after I was a kid, I was just not interested. So this is, of the ones we've done so far, this is the first that I feel like I was forced to watch, even though I would have never, I would have never even chosen this on my list of shame. I would have gone through dozens of movies before I got to this one, right? Um, But I'm so glad that I did. I I really think this is a really well-made film um, and it it holds up so well. I, I was really surprised by how modern this movie felt as far as uh, you know, structure and characters and dialogue and those kind of things. I mean, the, the, it shows its age in some ways, but you know, very few uh, ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things I was struck by right off the bat. And I think one of the ways these movies are going to be able to be enjoyed by us, even in hindsight, uh, is is through holding up well, you know, is through feeling like, oh, this this feels somehow modern, even though it was made in 1982 is when this movie uh, was made. Now, um, I think a lot of that uh, rests on the shoulders of special effects artist Rob Botton, who is one of the greatest uh, practical effects artists of all time. And I think that he is a good reason for that. Oh, yeah. The effects in this are astonishing. Gory, disgusting. But yes. astonishing um, yeah. and and really impressive. So I think I think you're right to bring that out. Um, so let's hear your history a little bit. When was the first time you watched uh, 1982's The Thing? Too young, way too young, <laughs> way 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 too young. 
This is, and that is the reason why I think this is the most terrifying movie of all time. Because I saw it too young. It's kind of like uh, the uh, the it factor. And by that, I mean uh, Pennywise. If you saw uh, the uh, Tim Curry it whenever you were younger, you were terrified of clowns, you know? Right. Uh, in this movie, I saw it way too young. And now it's just a terrifying movie. I remember uh, almost like... Uh, <sighs> I have horrifying members of that mutant uh, dog in the pen, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Just making that horrible sound. Yeah. Uh, it's just well, so it would, many... It doesn't surprise me that that's like the key keystone memory you have because it's really the first moment of those, you know, gory transformation effects that we see. Yeah. We see a few bits and pieces of, you know, kind of some dead mangled stuff or whatever, but that dog transformation is the first time you're like, oh, wow, what is going on? And so as yeah. I imagine as a young brain, that just like stamped right on your brain. It was just like, you know, the adrenaline just stamped that right into your memory, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to hear from you uh, the most famous and most uh, copied slash uh, mockeried scene of this movie, and that is the uh, blood test scene. Yeah, um, let's let, let's get there in just a second. First, I want to know, uh, just oh, so okay. we can kind of get this out of the way, though, uh, when was the most recent time you've seen it? Uh, it's been a hot minute, like three or four years ago. Okay. It's not a movie I particularly seek out. <laughs> right. I remember I was at a Halloween party and it was on. And while I do think it is the scariest movie of all time, I don't want that to come across that I don't think it's a good movie because I think it's a great movie. I think it's a brilliantly shot, brilliantly I, acted. I agree. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was but, I was really impressed. I I, I got to say that right off the bat, I was not expecting this to be as well done as it was. Um, yeah, I I I was. I was expecting, I guess, to, to be a little more schlocky for some reason, and mm. it's it's just not. It's it's made so uh, intently to feel authentic, and I just I was I was really pleasantly surprised as much as I was grossed out. Yeah. Um, so you want to know about <laughs> equal the, uh, parts? Yeah, you want to know about the blood testing scene? Yeah. What do you specifically want to know about it? Well, I mean, it's. The most famous scene from that movie. Did you have you seen it like a no mimicked or mockeried or anything like that? No. If there was anything I've seen parodied uh, from this movie, it was probably The Walking Head. That's probably oh, the, okay. on, the only thing I've seen parodied or like when that happened, I was like, oh, I've seen that that kind of idea where you know a head will grow legs and you know walk around kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, but no, I'd, I'd never seen anything with the blood scene before. I actually thought that blood oh, scene was pretty cool. Yeah. It, yeah, there, it's the most famous. You'll see it parodied everywhere where somebody will, uh, like, uh, stick a hot wire inside a liquid and it'll freak out, you know? Really? Uh, like, give me an example. Oh, yeah. uh, it's uh, been done in South Park. It's been done... Uh, Th- that's I've seen wh- it done in, like, uh, the scary movies, I think, did it once or something. Uh, could be. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I found that scene to be very suspenseful. I thought it was it was it held me incredibly well. In fact, this movie overall just really holds on to you um, in a spectacular way, uh, yeah. and and kind of never lets you go. I I I was really impressed. I'm I'm going to go off on the things I like first. I was really impressed with how the characters in this movie uh, act acted in their situation and i don't mean like the acting actors acting i just mean the behavior of these characters felt so real to me and i almost feel like modern movies have lost the ability to live in a space in this way where it feels like because everything was just so matter of fact almost it was like oh this thing changes into other things they didn't hold that information above the character's head for long at all you know what i mean whereas a modern movie feels like it wants story turns and twists so bad that it holds that information from the audience and the characters, 
you know, for too long and kind of taunts them with it. Where this movie, like, they just, they figured stuff out quickly. They knew what they were up against. They figured out, they problem solved ways to figure it out. I just, I was really impressed with how fast kind of the information understanding moved in this movie. Mm-hmm. I really love yeah, that it's part. A, yeah, it's a, it's a testament to how you can look at some of John Carpenter's other films, but then whenever you look at this one, it doesn't even feel like his. Uh, maybe it's the gore element that you can kind of tie it to him, but the tone and the vibe and the uh, the suspense that you feel throughout. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, what's some of the stuff I haven't talked about that you really like about it? I want to know, because this is where a lot of people discuss this movie, uh, the ending. Were either of them the thing? I don't think it matters um but i don't believe they are like if you're just asked i don't think the movie makes it clear one way or another uh yeah. but my instinct is that that uh childs right childs and mccready are the two that survive um yeah uh russell and david um yeah i i i believe and keith david's so great in this by the way um, oh yeah I, he's I, great in everything yeah he really is i i think they're they're good i think they're fine i mean they're gonna die there um, and that's okay, but I don't think either one of them is, you know, and, and I think McCready even says something along the lines of, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You know, uh, there's not much to be done at that point. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, another theme that I came up with, uh, for this podcast was, uh, discovering truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I think both films kind of rely on that. Did you find any hidden, because you're you're the uh, the hidden message, hidden theme guy when yeah. it comes to finding that in movies. Did you find uh, anything else besides uh, the seeking of truth? Well, I mean, I think there is a uh, an underlying metaphor here about trust and paranoia and those kind of things. And I think it can apply to our day-to-day lives in a lot of different areas, especially when you're dealing with uh, political division, religious division, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, trying to, uh, you know, find out who's on my side, who's not on my side, you know, uh, certainly hit home as far as like metaphors and interesting kind of layered ideas kind of go. Um, but like the best movie metaphors, uh, this one works completely on a story level first, and then the metaphor kind of gets layered, you know, underneath or over top it. So, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty good too. Awesome. Uh, you know, yeah. we never said, did you like it, love it? Do you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it's just okay? I'm right there with you. I really like it close to love it. For as much as it terrifies me, I can mm-hmm. respect and know that it's such a good movie. It's one of the few uh, horror films that uh, if it is on, I will watch it, but I won't like uh, seek it out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I think one of the reasons that I can't say I love it is pretty obvious. Uh, I don't like gore. I really don't. It's just, it's It's a very gory movie. Yeah. And as well as the effects are done, you can tell that a lot of what is going on is purposefully to gross out the audience. And to me, that's where it transitions from great storytelling to, um, you know, it's the same within it. It's a jump scares can be the same way where it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to have an impact on the audience instead of, you know, the best way to tell them the story. Now for some people, that's what they like. And I'm not discounting that. Uh, I'm just saying that's not me. And so the really gross stuff, the over the top gross stuff that just goes on and on and on is, is just a little much for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, that's the John Carpenter element coming out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, literally coming out as <laughs> blood and vines of tendrils and yeah, it's weird stuff. Yep. All uh, right. It really did freak me out to see Wilford Brimley without a mustache. I was <laughs> just like, "What is going on? Why does this nah, man? Just... Why does this man sound like Wilford Brimley?" <laughs> It's kind of like if you see Ernest Borgnine with small eyebrows. Right. Yeah. yeah what's going, <laughs> what's going on? on? What is what is happening here? Uh, Donald Moffat is really great in this too, uh, as Gary. Um, there's a lot of great performances here. So yeah, I had a good time. Awesome. Yeah, it's a good movie. Just a, uh, I think that's a fair warning with the whole uh, 
uh, what would you call it? Uh, the gore. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, you want to move on? <clears throat> yeah, let's All do right. it. Let's get to the next one. Let's talk a little bit about contact. This morning's detection of an unidentified radio source from deep space can neither be confirmed nor denied. Whatever it is, it ain't local. Position? I checked into barometry somewhere in Lyra, I think. Uh, Vega? Can't be. It's only 26 light years away. I want all these people out of here. Your having sent this announcement all over the world may well constitute a breach of national security. Oh, this isn't a person-to-person call. This may be an announcement to get our attention. The president has called an emergency meeting. You know those interlaced frames that we thought were noise? This says structure. In this Zemeckis-directed adaptation of the Carl Sagan novel, Dr. Ellie Arroway races to interpret a possible message originated from the Vega star system. Once first contact with an extraterrestrial intelligence is proven, Arroway contends with restrictive national security advisor kits and religious fanatics bent on containing the implications of such an event. An incredible message is found hidden in the signal, but will Arroway be the one to answer its call? Uh, contact is, as mentioned, a Robert Zemeckis film. Jodie Foster stars in it as Ellie Arroway. Uh, then you're also going to see... Uh, Matthew McConaughey in there as Palmer Joss. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Tom Skerritt uh, is in there as well. William uh, William Fickner. Um, You've also got James Woods uh, playing a uh, political jerk. Imagine that. Um, You know, who would imagine James Woods playing a hard... A very young Jenna Malone (laughs) and David Morse and John Hurt. Yeah, lots lots of great people in there. And this was 1997 when this came out. Uh, I would have been... Right in the middle of my college experience, uh, Andrew, I imagine you were in high school uh, when this came out. Uh, 97, I would have been 11. <laughs> you no, know, you have to be older than that, Andrew. You can't, I was you, born in 86. No, so you can't have been that's... born in 86. That's four years after the thing. You're not, you're not allowed. Uh, <laughs> all Man, right. I was way too young. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. You were 11 when this came out. Uh, well... What did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Same as the thing. Really liked it close to loving it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so explain yourself. What's your excuse? How come you never got around to seeing Contact? I I, I have no excuse. It's just one of those movies where uh, it came out at a time when my desire for movies rested along the loins of like Mortal Kombat and mm-hmm. you know cheesy action movies. I wanted to see Die Hard and and you know stuff like that. So right. a movie based around science and you know discovering stuff. I'm like, oh, is it like Independence Day? No, <laughs> I don't care. You know, so it does have one kind of actiony scene in it. You know, it's not all just yeah. talking, but it is mostly talking. That's for sure. It it's talking, kind of a yeah. reminder that the uh, Oscar bait space movie has been with us a long time. Like it's not oh, just yeah. a, a recent phenomenon, but the idea of using the metaphor of space in searching for truth and uh, doing that in a deep and meaningful way, like that that has been going that has been going on for a while. So, uh, and contact is definitely in that. In that realm, uh, we didn't kind of do the kind of award um, idea uh, for the thing. Did the thing? Do you know? Was it nominated for any awards? Uh, I'll say this though: I think this is really funny when it comes to the thing. Uh, Inyo Medical, who did uh, the score uh-huh. for the thing, was nominated for a Razzie for it being a terrible, terrible score. The score's not that bad. I know. I think the score is great. But as far as uh, awards go, uh, that's the only one besides a couple Saturn awards. Okay. Uh, but it's it's one of those movies where when it first came out, it was not received well at all. But as time went on, people realized what actually how brilliant it was. Very nice. Um, yeah. the Contact was also not nominated for any Academy Awards. Uh, so uh, there's that as well. Um, oh, it was an Oscar nominee for sound. Oh, contact was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate you looking that up. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that. Um, okay. So uh, I guess I will say uh, the first time I saw this uh, was when I was in college, probably pretty shortly after it came out. Uh, I fell in love with it immediately, um, and most recently watched it earlier today in preparation for this. Uh, discussion, and I have to say, after watching it again, I am very firmly in the loved it camp. Still, uh, I 
if you if you were to design an Aaron movie, this is what it looks like. Uh, you know, a movie it's that a wants movie. to a movie that wants to think big thoughts, have in-depth conversations about faith and science and how those things interact. And uh, like, it's just, this is the kind of um, thinking that my brain just lives on. Like if I, if my brain were the monster from the thing, this movie would be what it would want to morph into and, and eat alive. So uh, that for whatever, take that for whatever that's worth. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I really love this thing. I'm interested to hear more about uh, why you really, really liked it. Uh, there's a handful of scenes that are shot in a specific way that blow my mind. Um, yeah. But going beyond that, a general, I think that both Jodie Foster and uh, William Fishner are killing it in this movie yeah uh fishner for a supporting role i think he does a an astounding job but everything rests on the shoulders of jodie foster and she just totally delivers i mean i rooted for this character so hard while watching this movie yeah she's so good she's you know passionate no matter what she chumbawambas this movie like it's nothing you know she gets knocked down but she gets back up again <laughs> she tub thumps uh, it she tub thumps this movie so much yeah uh <laughs> uh no i i, I love uh because it starts off with with her as a young uh, girl and she's discovering her passion and her love for discovery and stuff like that but then whenever tragedy strikes you know her her motives kind of alter but uh, they still are within the same realm of mm -hmm. what she was going for. It's just her uh, backing motive changed. Uh, but everything yeah. in this movie from Tom Skerritt to... Uh, uh, what's his name? I, f I forget now. I was about, uh, James Woods. You mm -hmm. know, just trying to keep her down, you know, and to keep her from succeeding. But she just keeps pushing on and it's such an amazing film and i love the fact that after she has her first contact with the aliens mm -hmm. and she comes back i love the idea of it being you know instantaneous so she has no proof right that she actually did it yeah. i love that so much because if it just came back and she's like yeah i saw him and then there was like evidence of it I loved, I love that so much. It's so brilliant. I agree. Carl Sagan, I love you. I agree, and it leads me to the one thing I don't like about this movie. There's literally one thing I don't like about this movie, and it is the ending. Um, and by the ending, I mean like the very ending ending where James Wood is talking to Angela Bassett, and she's like, yeah. you know, the static was there, but what's interesting is the static lasted for 18, 18 hours. And I'm hours. like, you didn't need uh, that. The movie was perfect without that. Like now, now, yeah. I mean, now they have proof. The whole point of the movie was there was no proof and that, that faith exactly. even plays a role in science. Like that, that in, in, I just, I felt like it, it like handcuffs it, not handcuffs itself, but it kicks its own legs out, you know, for that last five minutes, because I think, and it wouldn't surprise me if this were like a, like a test screening kind of, you know, thing where people are like, no, we want to know that it was real. And so they threw something in there, but I don't know. Maybe it's in the book because I haven't read the book, but I just, no, that I part always bugs me uh, whenever yeah. I watch it. Uh, the thing I don't like about this movie is Matthew McConaughey. I don't like oh, his character. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I understand the, uh, the character's role, you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, bringing a, a, a religious element to a theological uh, reasoning behind uh, scientific, uh, you know, constructs and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and I really think that that's cool, and I think it's necessary. But uh, his motives uh, and like his mannerisms and stuff—they change. Like he goes from being the bongo playing uh, cool guy in the beginning of this movie down in South America to this super uptight religious figure. Uh, later on in the movie, and I don't like the fact that Jodie Foster ended up with him. I think she's too good for him. Interesting. See, I don't read that very much at all. I think his character is kind of consistently uh, her um, challenger. Like, he, even in the beginning, he's talking to her about, you know, what she believes and those kind of things. Um, 
I don't. I I think we're supposed to think uh, uh, Rob Lowe's character is the uptight, you know, Christian. Oh, I think he's more fanatical. Right. Right. I think that uh, what I mean by uptight is uh, I didn't see a guy living by his convictions in the beginning of the movie. Whereas at the uh, when he's back in America and he's working, you know, for the president and stuff like that, it just didn't seem like it was the same guy. If that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't begrudge you your opinion. I just, I, I don't necessarily see the same thing. Um, it's, it was kind of uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was Jake Busey doing a little over the top villainry. <laughs> okay, Jake Busey is ridiculous in this movie. He's so bad. He is so ridiculous. Like. <laughs> Uh, uh, every single time I see him in this movie, I'm like, dude, we get it. We know you're the bad guy. You don't have to look at the camera and go, you know, with your eyes, oh, I'm evil. You better believe it. I'm evil. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. I guess that is <laughs> yeah. the other thing I, I have a negative opinion on is uh, his performance. It must performance be the Busey effect. Like, it must be something in the DNA. <laughs> it must be. It must be. It cracks me up. Um, so they get... So they get Bill Clinton. Uh, I want to know, is this actually Bill Clinton doing scenes for the movie? Or is this just like cutouts from other speeches that he was doing? I wanted to talk about that um, because movies have moved away from that. Um, You know, back in the uh, 80s and 90s when you'd watch movies, they would put like the actual president in there. And I guess some movies still do. But, you know, since uh, Independence Day feels like you know, movies are just like, hey, we'll just just do fictional presidents. It just makes it a lot easier. Uh, yeah, but I and then they kinda, can give really wicked speeches. I kind of like uh, shoehorning in the actual president. It gives it more of a authentic feeling to me for some reason. And I don't think he shot anything for this. I think they use speeches about other things uh, that kind of applied to what they were dealing with. Um, he's obviously rotoscoped into that one board meeting. Um, oh you know, yeah. So, Where James Woods is staring at his chin. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they got him to do anything. But I kind of like it when movies use like the the president of the time because it places it in an authentic world for me. Um, so I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, there is one scene I have to talk about because it's a scene that literally blows my mind, or not literally, metaphorically blows my mind every single time I think about it. It's whenever her dad is dying, she runs up the stairs. You may have to, like, YouTube this scene to know what I'm talking about. She runs up the stairs. The camera is following her, like, uh, as she's running. And then somehow, the camera transitions into a mirror shot. Mm-hmm. I don't... It's It, blo- I, it doesn't make sense. It, <laughs> it shouldn't be physically possible to shoot that shot. But the fact that Zemeckis and I don't know who the uh, the cinematographer is, but the fact that they put that together is insane. I don't even know how they could have made that shot done today. They, it's they, so good. Yeah, they do a lot of really cool stuff, and even the opening scene is really amazing. Where you know, oh it, yeah, through the eye and mm-hmm. the the universe through the eye, yeah, and the stuff, and, the travel stuff at the end, the space yeah, travel stuff at say, the end is really cool. Yeah, her uh, transitioning. Some of that uh, CGI uh, seemed looked a little, you know, it's it aged. I guess yeah, you could say. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah but I, agree. It, I think that makes the scenes like with the mirror that much more incredible. If you just, uh, if for those of you listening, if you go to YouTube and you type in uh, "contact mirror scene," you'll know what I'm talking about. Just really focus on it. I'm actually glad that I didn't see this movie in like a theater or something because I was able to go back and like uh, replay that scene over and over and over again to see if I actually saw what I saw. <laughs> I'm like, wait, did I? Did that actually just happen? How did they do that? But maybe if you'd seen it in a theater, you'd have gotten the point that you have to have faith in what you saw, whether you have proof of it or not. Oh, no, I would have been too dumb. <laughs> I love in the uh, in that space travel scene how there's one moment where she's traveling from one of the destinations to another. And by the way, we're seeing what is condensed uh, 18 hours of her travel condensed. Right. Because she says she she felt like she was gone for 18 hours. But anyways, there's there's one point where her face kind of splits and she's. Oh, yeah. She says something like, um, 
I couldn't, I couldn't have known, or I forget what it is, but it's the th- exact thing she says later, quote unquote, later when yeah. she, when she finally has like the deep eye opening experience and she's like, they should have sent a poet, um, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I love that scene. Yeah. It's so great. But we're kind of playing with a little bit of uh, a rival at that point where time or is a rival to... playing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or, or interstellar deals with the same thing where time has so much less meaning, uh, in space travel. And so, yeah, there's, there's, I really enjoyed that. I also love during that moment, um, where she morphs into her younger self, uh, you know, her little girl self as she's talking, I thought that was pretty seamlessly done. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I was really impressed today rewatching this, uh, how well some of that stuff held up. You're right. There, there are a a little bit of those CG effects showing their age, but, um, for the most part, the emotion is so good that it just kind of locks you in and holds you in. Oh yeah. Even with like the, the aging CGI, her talking, Jodie Foster talking with David Morris, you know, like even though she's like, you're not him, are you? And, you know, they go over the whole spiel of like, mm-hmm. we, did, we didn't make the highway. Uh, this is just a test or a, a first trial or right. whatever. I forget what they say. But, uh, you know, it, it made it for a fascinating thing. Like, oh, there's a plethora of worlds and civilizations out there. Yeah. And well- uh, watching the movie, I kept having that feeling of like, no, we don't deserve it. Humanity doesn't deserve it. You know? <laughs> Maybe because, you know, everything leading up to that was like uh, uh, against the odds for her mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, the whole world's against her. And then I just transitioned to, oh, if the whole world's against her, then the whole world doesn't deserve to see what she sees. She's the only one who's earned it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going on in my head. Yeah, I, I really find what this movie has to say so compelling um, because this is a movie that when it, the world uh, was more and more saying and continues to say in some ways that science and religion are opposed to each other, it has a way of saying, look, they are both, there's faith in both of them. You know, there's there's yeah. an understanding that we're on a journey for truth and that we don't have the all of the truth. The scientist knows that they have to discover truth. The true religious seeker knows that they have to discover truth. And that's what faith is. And uh, in this movie just says it so beautifully by taking this character and having them learn what faith means to them. So this experience that she had, now she understands what it's like to have an experience that there is no proof for, but she truly believes. And that's just, I, I just find... I, I, I just find that so beautiful, and this, I, this movie means a lot to me. It, I really like what it has to say. Oh, it's a great, great movie. I, yeah, close to loving it. Just Jake Busey, and I just couldn't uh, connect with McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> but everything else, uh, I, I just really loved. Yeah. And, Man, I can't uh, stop thinking about that mirror scene. Yeah? Oh, it, it's, it's, it's going to go down as one of the best... Uh, CGI or special effect moments in a movie for me. So there's a moment where Matthew McConaughey says to her the exact thing her dad said to her growing up, which is if there isn't anything oh, else yeah. there, it seems like a, uh, a, waste a, of space. a waste of space. And then she ends the movie by saying that to some kids as well. It's obviously, you know, kind of a through line there. How did that, how did that scene hit you? I love that scene. I'll just throw my cards out there. I, I, I love that, that scene, but, um, but I know some people have issues with it. So I was wondering how it hit you. Um, it's kind of, I think it's part of it's lazy writing that McConaughey says it, but for her to say it at the end, I'm totally okay with, and I think it's great, but I think that coincidentally McConaughey saying the exact same thing her dad used to say to her is a little bit of lazy writing for her to fall for him, you know? Yeah, it's and that's the issue people have. I guess my my comeback to that is I think that is the moment where she opens herself up to the the idea that there are things she doesn't understand. Like in that conversation they're having, him saying that, and notice she doesn't say anything about it either. Like she doesn't let on because I think she's having a moment where she's like, how do, how did he know to say like that's the exact same thing my dad said to me, you know, like, so yeah. she's having this moment where she's like, does that mean something? 
Is that is that you know is is there a designer who designed him to say that, knowing that my you know like like that kind of thing? Because I think most people at least have a moment or two in their life where things seem so very coincidental, where you're like, wait a second, how is this even real? You know what I mean? So, and for some people, that results in them believing more about unseen forces, and for some people, that results in thinking we're in a simulation, and for some people, they just believe in coincidence. But, you know, how she handles that, I think, is kind of the key to the start of the transition of that character. And so, I I do think it's purposeful in that the coincidence of it, the quote-unquote coincidence of it, is the point, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, anyways, that's how I kind of defend that scene. But oh uh, yeah, great movie. Regardless of your thinking of uh, the coincidence and stuff of that, I think it's a great movie. I'll definitely be watching it again. Did it feel two and a half hours long to you? Parts, yeah, parts of it did. Okay, I was curious. Uh, uh, whenever she's like traveling through the wormhole and stuff like that, I totally, ironically, I had no concept of like how long the movie had been. But like uh, the first time that uh, the uh, the machine got destroyed mm-hmm. and then going through that whole rigmarole, I'm like, oh, so I got to sit through and wait for them to uh, build another machine. Uh, that's kind of so, a nice little reveal, isn't it? That there's a second machine. That's I thought the movie, um, that was one thing I remember watching it the first time. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it's only, what, another three quarters of a trillion dollars. <laughs> That's right. Government. What's he say? Government, government spending. Why uh, build one when you can build two for twice the cost? Yeah. It's <laughs> funny stuff. Uh, I'm going to draw out a couple other scenes that I love just because I love talking about this movie. Um, yeah. I love the first contact scene. I think it is shot and presented so incredibly well. Just from the moment she hears something to running back to the station to getting everybody on board, they're saying things. I don't know what they mean, but they sound like, uh, you know, things that people would say. And just that whole scene, I just it's just energy for me. Like there's an adrenaline there that I I really, really love. Oh, I want to give a shout out. (coughs) Sorry to Max Martini. He's uh, normally known for like being a really buff, uh, grizzled, like Mm -hmm. machismo kind of a guy. Yeah, and he plays like the not stoner, but the the laid back uh, party dude who is like a working, you know. But I could. It took me a while. I'm like that kind of looks like Max Martini, but yeah, it is him. But I totally agree that first when when she starts hearing the wump wump, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh oh, here we go. And then she just she doesn't freak out. She just goes into go mode. She knows exactly what to do. She calls people. She says. You do this, you do this, make sure this is recording. She is on top of it. She has prepared her whole life for this, and she is getting it done. And I don't know, I'm not a scientist, I don't know about this, but the science in this feels real. And obviously if Carl Sagan wrote it... I was just about to say it's Carl Sagan, so... But the science feels so real. The idea of the prime numbers, the idea of the, the TV signal was the first TV signal we sent out... Uh, the fact yeah. that the first image is a swastika is uh, Hitler, yeah, <laughs> is so so funny. Um, and it's just I, I just I I really love all those little scientific touches in this uh, as well. Um, I think those are are really well done. Uh, I believe I heard uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talking on his uh, Star Talk uh, that he said that he thinks that Contact, sorry, is the most scientifically accurate movie ever. I, it feels that way to me as a non-scientist yeah. even. Um, I think The Martian may also be one that has done a lot of its homework. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, I, I think that's one of the reasons I love it so much is that this movie actually feels like how First Contact might happen. Like, it, like you, you kind of go through it and you're like, oh, this actually kind of makes sense. It's kind of that feeling you get after watching her where you're like, yeah, the world will, pro- will, you know, will probably be that someday. <laughs> it's yeah. just one of those things where you're like, yeah, this is probably how it would happen. Um, yeah, you could toss up this movie or Arrival, depending on the situation. If aliens came to us or, uh, you know, if there was a, mm-hmm. a message coming, I think there would be more like contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, I agree. I agree. Well, there you go. Uh, Contact 1997. Um, glad to finally mark it off your list, Andrew. Oh, absolutely. Actually, there's a scene in this movie 
where uh, she's in Japan getting ready to actually go into the, the second machine. And she's sitting in her room and the, and the, uh, the camera stays on a calendar for a very long time. And the calendar... Uh, did you recently watch this movie, you said? Yeah, I watched it today. Okay. There's a, a calendar in her room, and there's like an ink uh, circle around a calendar. It looks almost exactly like the uh, ink uh, language that the aliens use in Arrival. And it makes me wonder if uh, Denis mm. Villeneuve used that as like an homage to uh, Contact. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh that's interesting. I wonder yeah. because you're right, you're right the um the the language is very similar to the pages they sent uh digitally, 3D pages. Uh No, which... no, not that. Not that. I mean, uh and you know in Arrival they have like that circular ink blotting kind yes. of language yes. the squid shoot out. Well, uh when she's in Japan, there's an actual calendar, like a Japanese calendar oh. like with the uh uh i forget what they call it uh it's a kind of like a, a painting calligraphy you know for their uh for their language or for their art alphabet there's a circle like that goes over the whole page it looks so close to what the uh the uh the uh hectopod language is in arrival interesting no i didn't yeah. notice that part i have to take a look it at that. could just be coincidence it could just be coincidence very nice. Probably uh, is. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Um, and but we had two winners today. I liked the thing too. Yeah, we it's, did. Uh, so surprise, surprise, it'll happen. Uh, well, let's pick next week's sift shame. Um, I think uh, you pick first this time, and then I pick a theme. Is that how we're doing it? I think that's how it goes. All right. What are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, this doesn't have to be the theme, but I'm picking a movie that I really don't like from your list <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm picking casablanca uh, casablanca um i've seen a lot of this movie i've just oh never... i could pick something else just to uh, make I, it no I, it probably would be good for me to sit down and watch it all the way through um because i could pick another movie on your list that i don't like <laughs> no it's totally up to you uh it's totally right, your well, decision totally how about uh Taxi Driver. Ooh, Taxi. Now, I haven't seen any of Taxi Driver, so... There you go. I don't like that movie. All right. Taxi Driver. Let's see. What kind of theme can I go um, go about here? Taxi Driver. Maybe we go with the uh, idea of drivers. The idea of, um, you know, uh, of, uh, driving or captaining a vessel. Maybe we go with the Hunt for Red October. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, I want to see this movie so bad. It is on my list of shame, but I actually really want to see this movie. All right, there you go. Uh, we're we're going with uh, Taxi Driver and Hunt for Red October uh, for the next Sift Shame. Uh, I can't wait to hear Sean so, Connery's Scottish slash Russian accent. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. So we'll be discussing those next week. Before we go, though, I uh, do want to thank again our Sif Pop members for making this possible. Thank you so much for your support at uh, patreon.com slash Pop. Lots of fun stuff to check out there. It's three bucks a month for membership. Um, and there are a couple levels there with some different fun stuff. Uh, one of the things that some of our Sif Pop members have is the ability to make me watch a movie every month. And uh, uh, there is now a official hashtag on Twitter, and it's make Aaron watch bad movies. And uh, so, <laughs> oh, can you give us some examples? Uh, let's see. What did they, what did uh, one of them made me watch uh, this month in April? Um, I don't remember. It was an old black exploitation movie uh and so anyways i watched it and reported back to them but uh anyhow lots of fun stuff going on at the sif pop uh, membership page so you can check that out patreon.com slash sif pop and would love uh to thank you so much for being a member there uh all right let's move on to our buried treasure before we yes. get out of here um i'll go first uh, i can't remember if i did this as a buried treasure early on in the season but even if I did, I'm going to do, even if I did it last week, I'm going to do it again because the season is over and I want to talk about devs. Um, so I'm going to oh, talk. Oh, you haven't talked about devs at all. 
Okay, good, good. Um, Devs is great. And uh, Alex Garland is doing that thing that we kind of just talked about with Contact, where it's like big ideas and uh, incredible stories and making Aaron think deep thoughts. And I love that. It's kind of interesting on TV right now. You have Westworld and Devs kind of playing in the same playground and Ex Machina plays in this playground as well, of course, that Alex Garland did of, you know, what is AI? What can we have AI do? Uh, how does that impact the way we see the world? Um, this is a, a show about determinism, the idea that everything is set, that our choices only feel like choices, um, but that, you know, they are just the natural result of who we are, how we were made. Uh, and so I don't want to say too much about it other than the performances are great and the, the things that it is thinking about are phenomenal. I loved it all the way through. Uh, the end is just, just interesting enough that I'm still figuring out if I like it. Um, and when I say I like it, if I like what it's saying or what it's revealing about the reality of this world, I'm still thinking about, you know, a week later, um, if this is, if I'm, if I like what it's saying now, like watching it, that's set, that is understood. I loved watching this show all the way through what I'm processing is, do I like what it said at the end and how does that hit me? And what does that mean? Because Alex Garland is just thinking these big thoughts and putting them right there on the screen. And I just, whew, it's, it's a good one. I, I really love devs. It's on uh, Hulu uh, is where you yeah. can find it. Yeah, it's a uh, originally on. Uh, it's a Hulu original, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've only seen the first episode, um, but uh, I just like. I'm not gonna lie. The only thing that besides Alex Garland, I didn't know that originally, but uh, I saw that uh, Nick Offerman was in it. I'm like, oh, Nick Offerman's in a new show. I'll check it out. And then in the title uh, popped up Alex Garland. I'm like, wait, what? Garland, <laughs> what are you doing? I thought you were making Annihilation Two. Yeah, the Portmaner. <laughs> uh, yeah, huge recommend. Huge, huge, huge. Uh, if your brain works like mine does, you're gonna have a fun, fun journey. And he has his own sense of style too. The show is very much the same kind of. Um, I'm trying to think the the word would be for like Ex Machina or Annihilation. Just he really lives in his environments in a way that almost feels slow. Would be a poor way of saying it, but it's just very measured. And uh, and this definitely has that feel through all the episodes as well. There is a turn that happens at the end that involves not just um, the plot, but kind of the surrounding nature of the show without getting too detailed that kind of blew my mind and I loved it. Is this a, a miniseries or is it a full series where we can expect another season? Do you know? Um, boy, uh, I'm just going to say it's one season, uh, and I have no idea what they'll do. Um, and I, I don't want to give away how this season ends by saying whether or not I think there might be more or not be more, but one of those seems likelier than the other based on what happens at the end. Okay. Cool. 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 (laughs) Sorry to be so abstract, but, uh. But yeah, it's definitely one I want you to experience without knowing some stuff. Well, so it's in my queue, so I'll cool. check it out eventually. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with a show that I have been championing for a very long time, but it just started its second season. Please, 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 if you haven't started watching it, go and watch What We Do in the Shadows. This is one of the funniest shows on television you technically don't have to see the movie before you uh, uh watch start watching the show, but there's uh, little Easter egg jokes here and there that make it that much more hilarious. Uh, you can go through the entire first season in a day, super quick, super quick, and uh, I've I just keep watching the show over and over because it's just the perfect uh, set of humor. If you like the humor style of uh, Taika Waititi, uh, Flight of the Concords, anything like that, then this is going to be right up your alley. It is brilliant and so funny. I love it so much. 
Is that also on uh, Hulu? Because that is that is that an FX you, show? It's an FX show that you can watch on Hulu. Uh, yeah. I will say, since it is FX, uh, careful if you are offended by language. There, or sure. there is language in the show. Oh, sure. And there's there's a lot of content stuff in devs too. Uh, just to be aware of. You know, yeah. it's not Future Man or anything, but... Uh, <laughs> no. No, Future Nothing Man is. is in a realm of its own. Nothing is. We did it, man. We did another yeah, we podcast. Did. We, we, yeah. we Wait, survived. Have you, seen, have you seen what we do in the shadows? I. It is high on my list. It is high oh, on my list. Oh, man. If I could make that your homework for the week, I would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Professor Ormsby. All right, Professor Thanks. Ormsby. I'll report back next week. Yeah. I'll see you on Zoom to make sure you did your homework. (laughs) That's right. Thanks so much for joining us today. For Sif Pop, it is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching for Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out once again. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to Phil for putting the show together. And much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, and uh, you get access to every bonus episode. Uh, we talked a little bit about Andrew's gardening in the bonus episode this week, as yeah. well as some other fun perks. Uh, you can find out more at patreon.com slash Sif Pop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. You can comment, rate, or leave a review for us at Apple Podcasts, or email us feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show, too, so let them know about it, and that listening is much easier than getting a flamethrower started when you really need to. (laughs) We will be back next week with more from our list of shame, and we will see you then. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.